I'm in the book of Matthew chapter 21, the book of Matthew chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. This is what it says. Now when they drove, sorry, can you hear me back there? You sure? Okay. Start the recording now. (laughs) Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would grant us understanding and an openness of our heart to receive all that you have for us. I pray it in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Amen. I love Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, when I was growing up, was one of the most festive days of the year. Actually, it was more festive than Easter Sunday. At the church I grew up at on Palm Sunday, we covered the walls of both sides of the sanctuary with huge palm branches. The palm branches must have been 10 to 15 feet long, and and they put two of them, and it would cover the whole wall, and everybody got a palm branch when they came in the door. And we had a full orchestra that would be be playing, all hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall, bring forth a royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. And and the trumpet section would be blazing, and and we would all, and the choir, the hundred voice choir would be singing all hail the power of and we'd all be waving those palm branches and it was the most glorious festive amazing joy-filled celebration from the time I was a little boy I couldn't wait for Palm Sunday because there was something special about Palm Sunday now if you think about the original Palm Sunday the difference between Palm Sunday and Easter is that in fact Easter was more powerful, but Palm Sunday was more festive. Isn't that interesting? Easter was more powerful, but Palm Sunday was more festive. Easter was where the power was, but Palm Sunday was where the celebration was. Why was it that the celebration happened on Palm Sunday, but the resurrection happened on Easter Sunday? The difference between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday was that 
Easter Sunday was more powerful, but it was a secret. Nobody knew about it. There was only one witness to the resurrection when it happened, and that was the Holy Spirit. And after the resurrection, he revealed himself to a few people, like, you know, Mary. And then two more disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus. And then he appeared in the room with the rest of the disciples and showed him the nail prints in his hands and in his feet. The resurrection, the news of the resurrection was late breaking news. People found out after the fact. The difference between Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday is that on Resurrection Sunday, nobody knew what had happened. But on Palm Sunday, everybody knew what was happening. The resurrection happened on Easter. But understanding came on Palm Sunday. Now, here's how it broke it. Here's how we broke it down. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. And he grabs two of them. He says, I got a job for you two. He says, I got to gangsterfy you two for a second. Because I need you two to go steal something for me. Jesus was from East Oakland. <laughs> he said, I need you to go up the hill until you see a donkey tied to a post. Don't ask no questions. Untie the donkey and bring it to me. They said, Lord, you want us to steal somebody's donkey? He said, in a sense, yes. But I created the donkey, so it's not stealing. It's mine. Because, <laughs> you know, thou shalt not steal. They said, Lord, you can get shot for taking somebody's donkey around here. He said, here's what you do. If anybody bothers you and says, what you doing taking my donkey? Just tell them the Lord has need of it. And they'll let you take it. They were like, are you sure? Because, you know, I tried that before. <laughs> that don't work. What you doing taking my car? The Lord has need of it. <laughs> we well, better tell the Lord to get his own. <laughs> so these two disciples, they go up the hill. They find the donkey. They untie the donkey. Bro comes to the door and says, hey, what you doing with my donkey? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And he goes, well, then why didn't you say so? Go ahead. And they were like, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> they bring him the donkey. He has not explained to them what's going on. He has not told them why he's doing this. He just said, bring me the donkey. They brought him the donkey. And uh, one of them laid his coat across the donkey. And then Jesus jumped up onto the donkey. And they said, Lord, what are we doing? He says, we're going to Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, the disciples, all of a sudden, their eyes open real big. They're like, oh, my God, this is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 6. Rejoice greatly, O virgin daughter of, of Zion, for behold, your king comes humble and riding on the foal of a donkey. You see, in the ancient world, if you looked up on the hillside and you saw a man riding on a white horse, you locked up the gates of your city because it meant he was a king coming to make war for, on you. But if you looked up and saw a man riding on a donkey... You opened your gates and welcomed him because it was a king coming to make peace with you. 
Jesus is coming as the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And the disciples, they see him get on the donkey. He hadn't said a word. He hadn't told them. But because they knew the scriptures, they were like, my God, this is it. This is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 6. Behold, your king comes, humble and riding on a donkey. He's doing it, guys. He's doing it. We're going to Jerusalem. He's doing it. And the disciples were all excited. We're about to do this thing. And so they start throwing their coats out on the road and, and grabbing palm branches and waving them. The palm branch is a symbol of victory. And so they're waving and victory, this is it. It's, it's our time now. The disciples are all excited because they're thinking, now we're going to rule with him. And then the people from Jerusalem, they're like, what is that coming down the hill, the Mount of Olives? What? Does that look like a, is that a horse? No, 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 that's too small to be a horse. That's a donkey. Hold on, is somebody coming on a donkey? And what's, what are them fools doing around him? Shouting and, and hollering and acting a fool. And those are, wait a minute, that's Jesus. Those are his disciples. And all of a sudden they were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He, didn't he open the eyes of the blind? Didn't he open the ears of the deaf? Weren't you there when he raised up Lazarus from the dead in front of everybody? You remember blind Bartimaeus? Remember the dude that he spit in his eyes and the dude could see? Remember the dude, they broke a hole through the roof. How many miracles have we seen? Of course he's the Messiah. And all of a sudden, the revelation went viral. And a multitude came out to meet him, running up the side of the hill. He's going to do it. Everybody had the same idea. He's going to do it. They were so excited. They were grabbing palm branches. They were laying their clothes down on the road so that the donkey could, could you know, and, and they're, they're, this, the excitement is palpable. And then when they get down to Jerusalem, as they're entering into Jerusalem, there's another multitude inside Jerusalem. There's a multitude that meets him on the side of the hill coming into Jerusalem. And there's another multitude in Jerusalem. And when he's coming into Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem go, who? Who it is? And they were like, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. Don't you remember the one who healed the blind and opened the eyes of the blind and opened the ears of the deaf and caused the lame to walk? And, and don't you remember all the miracles? Haven't you heard about this dude? And they're like, oh, yeah. They're like, don't you see what's happening? This is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 6. He's coming on a donkey. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Messiah. And they started shouting, Hosanna, which means save us right now. Save now, save now, save now. What it actually means is set up your kingdom right now. Overthrow the Romans right now. Restore the kingdom to David right now. Fulfill our hopes and our dreams right now. Give us what we want right now. Give us what we need right now. They actually weren't thinking about his kingdom. They were thinking about their own kingdom. They saw him as an instrument of their personal restoration. And the revelation spread like wildfire. It went viral. If Instagram existed back then, he would have had like 10 million followers, right? Just boom. <laughs> that YouTube video would have got a billion hits, a zillion hits. It went, it went bacterial. <laughs> it went fungal. <laughs> Everybody knew it. This is the most wonderful thing. Even though they don't have the right, you know, values or they don't have the right agendas, all the way down to his disciples, nobody really had the right agenda. Nobody really understood what was going on, but they had the right understanding of who he was. They might not have had the right values underneath that understanding, but that's okay. For this moment, they had the right understanding of who he was. Everybody knew who he was on that day. 
The revelation of it was widespread. There was only a handful of religious Pharisees who didn't believe it. And they said to him, teacher, tell your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus looked at them and said, assuredly, I say to you, if these hold their peace, the very rocks are going to cry out. You don't understand how powerful this revelation is. I'm telling you, the revelation of who Jesus is, it's so powerful that it overtakes you even when you don't expect it to overtake you. When people come to faith in Jesus Christ, I hear people say all the time, man, I wasn't intending to believe in Jesus. But suddenly I just realized, I think I believe in Jesus. I was talking to somebody recently, and I asked him, how did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? And he said, "Uh, I I didn't believe in anything. But then he said he went to a university, and he took a comparative religions course. And in the middle of that course, as they were studying all the different religions, he said, I realized, by the end of the, in the middle of that course, I realized, I believe in Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think I believed in Jesus. But I believe in Jesus. He said, I had to call my sister up and say, I believe in Jesus. And his sister said, then you better find a church. He said, you know what? I think I will find a church. And guess what church he found? Living Hope Christian Center in Emeryville, California. Come on, somebody. I talked to a guy, I asked a guy, I said, how did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? He said, well, first thing you need to know is I was crazy before I came to faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> he said, I was a university student. My professor did something to offend me, so I decided to kill him. <laughs> so the next day I brought my gun to school, stood outside the door of his classroom waiting for him to come out so I could kill him. But that day the professor had a bunch of students waiting, asking him questions, and he wasn't coming out so I couldn't kill him. But while I was waiting, somebody walked by and handed me a Gideon Bible. And he said, without thinking, I took it. And then I'm like, why did I take this? He said, but I was standing there so long, I got bored. (laughs) So I opened it up and I started reading. And the Jesus that I read about in this book captivated my heart. And I found myself believing in Jesus and walking away and not killing my professor that day. I said, dang, that's crazy. The Lord had to save you to keep you from homicide. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, man. You, you might still be a little crazy. I'm going to keep my distance from you. I, I hope I never offended you. <laughs> Just make sure you stay saved. <laughs> the, revel- the revelation of Jesus When people have God encounters, they often don't see it coming. I'll never forget when I was a college student and Sonny and I used to go into Santa Rita Jail and minister to the women on the women's side. And we had a team and we would go in and we would see these ladies come into service and many of them, their hearts hearts would be hard. And, and, uh, you know, they just saw it as an opportunity to just get out of their cell. And but they weren't interested in the service. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would fall. And these same ladies would be worshiping Jesus and screaming and shouting and dancing. And, and why? Because they were having a revelation of who Jesus was. And, 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 and we used to say to them, you didn't come to Santa Rita looking for God, but God came to Santa Rita looking for you. You did not expect this encounter with God, but God expected this encounter with you. You didn't know that he was here waiting for you, but he knew that he was there waiting for you. He knew you were coming. You didn't know he was coming. That revelation of Jesus, when it happens and it goes viral, there's nothing like that day. Now watch this. 
The day is over. The problem is at the end of the day, Jesus goes into the temple and the first thing he does is he sits down and grabs some nylon cords and starts braiding. I don't know if this is what it looks like when you braid, but this is what it looks like in my mind. What was, we were like, what are you making, Lord? He said, you'll see. He's just braiding nylon. And then he takes it, and he goes up to where all these money changers are out there at tables in front of the temple and starts beating them. <laughs> you, the, the, it is written that my father's house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. You've made it a den of thieves. And he starts beating the money changers. And they were like, the crowds were like, we said save now, not beat now. We thought you were going to drive out the Romans. He's driving us out. See, it's easy to get a revelation of Jesus. It's easy to say the prayer and say, Lord, come into my heart. But when he comes into your heart with a whip and starts driving stuff out, you start to rethink that revelation. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, after he finishes beating the money changers, then the blind, the sick, and the lame come to him, and he starts healing the sick. And then there's the children. They come, and they start singing, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees, once again, were offended. They were like, these kids are singing praises to you? And Jesus goes, yes, isn't it wonderful? They're like, no, it's blasphemy. He's like, blasphemy? Haven't you read where it says, out of the mouth of babes he has perfected praise? And then he leaves the temple without setting up his kingdom, without giving the people what they want, without answering the cry of the people. He leaves the temple and he leaves with his disciples. And as the week progresses, the disciples are trying to figure out what happened at that moment. We thought you were about to do something, but it seems like you did nothing. Have you ever had a moment where God seemed to come in your life in such a powerful way and you thought it was something, but it turned out not to be anything? I can't tell you how many of those moments I've had where the presence of God comes and overtakes me and I think, this is it, this is the revival, this is the outpouring of the Spirit. And the next day I wake up feeling the same way I did the day before the experience. I'm like, but what happened there? What happened there? We thought you were going to do something, but you didn't do anything. Watch this. I'm getting somewhere. Thursday night, it's time for the Passover feast. On Thursday night, he selects a room. It's an upper room in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. Sends two of his disciples to set up the room. Gets there. They enjoy the Passover feast together. At the end of the feast, when there was nothing left to do, Jesus takes a piece of bread. They're like, Lord, the feast is over. He says, no, the feast is just about to begin. He says, everybody, look at me. See this? See this piece of matzah? This piece of matzah? This bread? They say, yeah. He says, this is my body. Watch this. And he breaks it. This is my body, which is broken for you. You're going to start taking this. You're going to start eating this from now on. But when you do, you're going to remember me. You're going to remember me. You're going to do this in remembrance of me. Now pass it around, and you guys eat until it's all gone. Eat all of it. 
And the disciples are so confused and they take the matzah and they start to eat and they pass it around until they ate all of it. And when they're finished eating all of the bread, then he takes a glass of wine. He says, you see this? This, this wine? This is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the redemption of many. You're going to start drinking from this cup from now on. But when you do, remember me. You're going to do this in remembrance of me. And he passes the cup around and one by one they drink from the cup until the cup is all gone. And they're like, Lord, what in the world is happening? What are you talking about? You know what he was talking about? Let me tell you what he was, going to, what he was saying to them. Last Sunday, it was real easy to believe in me. The whole multitude believed in me. But in a few hours, it's not going to be so easy to believe in me anymore. Last Sunday, believing in me was the popular thing. But in a few hours, it's going to be life-threatening. Last Sunday, everybody knew who I was, but in a few hours, everybody's going to forget. You're getting ready to walk into a season in which the memory of who I am and what I've done for you is not going to be easy for you to cling to. So that's why I'm giving you this bread and this wine. So that when the going gets tough, you can simply pick up this bread and this wine and remember me. When you're tempted to forget in the throes of persecution, when you're going through your trial and tribulation, just pick up this bread and pick up this wine. And when you take this, I want you to remember me. Because let me tell you what happened. That night in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was taken away and he was tried and he was beaten all night long, the same crowd by the next morning, the same crowd that was crying out, Hosanna, save now. Last Sunday, by Friday morning, we're crying out, crucify him, crucify him. The same people who knew who he was on Sunday forgot who he was by Friday morning. You see, on Sunday, they knew he was the Messiah, but only for a moment. On Sunday, they knew he was the king, but only for a moment. On Sunday, they knew he was the Savior, but only for a moment. On Sunday, they acknowledged him, but only for a moment. On Sunday, they believed in him, but only for a moment. On Sunday, they encountered him, but only for a moment. And when the moment was over, they forgot that he was the Messiah. When the moment was over, they forgot that he was the Savior. When the moment was over, they forgot he was the King. When the moment was over, they forgot how to acknowledge him. But there was a group of people who continued to remember after the moment. And those people were called, you ready for this? Disciples. Do you know what a disciple is? A disciple is someone whose faith extends beyond the moment. A disciple is someone whose faith extends beyond the moment. A disciple is someone who can believe for more than a moment. A disciple is someone whose faith transcends the hype. A disciple is someone who doesn't need an exciting moment to believe in Jesus, but they believe in Jesus the same in the dark pit as they do on the mountaintop. A disciple is not just one who's, who's able to just scream with the crowd and say, yay, Jesus. But even when the crowd turns against them, they're willing to stand at the cross and say, I'm here with you, Jesus. The fundamental skill of the disciple is memory. The ability to remember who Jesus is by the truth and sell it not. By the truth and don't sell it. 
buy the truth and sell it not. What was Jesus saying? Remember me. When you take this, remember me. What he was saying was, you buy this. This is the truth. I want you to buy it and don't sell it. You're not going to be traders. There's too many day traders, too many spiritual day traders. Buy some faith today, sell it by the end of the day. Buy some faith today, sell it by the end of the day. And in the meantime, you try to make a little profit, a little profit. Your faith is just there when you need it. When you need a job, I'm going to buy a little faith and believe for that job. And as soon as I get the job, sell it. I need a little extra money, I'm going to buy a little faith and, and you know, use that faith to get me some extra money. But as soon as I get some extra money, sell it. Seeing faith in Christ as nothing more than a means of personal gain. But the ones whose faith continued beyond the moment, those were the disciples. The fundamental skill of the disciple is memory. I remember who he is. I remember who he is. I remember what he did. I remember what he saved, what he said. You see, the book of Deuteronomy is a book of sermons that Moses preached to Israel in the 40th year after they had already gone through the wilderness for 40 years and they were poised at the promised land and they were about to enter into the promised land. And before they enter in, Moses prepares them with this book of sermons that have come to us as the book of Deuteronomy. And 14 times in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses says to Israel, remember, yes. remember, yes. remember, 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 remember. And if you take all 14 of those remembers, you can break them into three categories. Number one, remember what you were. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt. Remember what you were before God found you, before he saved you. Remember what you were. Remember life, what life was like for you before you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Remember how much anxiety you had and how much depression you had. Remember how much sin was laden on your life and you couldn't break through, through it no matter what you did. You remember that you were a slave in Egypt. Remember. Number two, remember what God did. You remember that he pulled you out of darkness when you couldn't pull yourself out. You didn't, do, you didn't free yourself from Egypt. He freed you from Egypt. He sent the plagues. He struck Pharaoh. He parted the Red Sea. He sent the cloud by day and the fire by night. Don't you forget what God did. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, it culminates. He says, remember how the Lord your God has led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to see what was in your heart, whether or not you would obey his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Remember that your clothes didn't wear out and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Remember! Don't forget! And then the third remember is remember what you did yeah, you remember how you rebelled against God at Massa and Meribah when you said, is the Lord among us or not? Remember that you said, oh, that the, we had died by the hand of the Lord back in Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate bread to the full. Remember that you didn't trust the Lord, but he still brought water out of the rock for you. Remember you didn't trust the Lord, but he still rained down bread from heaven for you. Remember that you didn't trust the Lord, but he still led you through a way that you... Remember that even though you rebelled against the Lord, he continued to be gracious and compassionate to you. Remember! <laughs> Jesus sits with his disciples in the upper room and he says... Before I go, I've only got one word for you. 
Remember. Remember. And let me tell you why I'm telling you this tonight. Because in a few hours, every power in hell is going to tempt you to forget. Peter says, Lord, if everyone forsakes you, I won't forsake you. Jesus says, for real, Peter, for real. For real. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter was like, word? Peter, you have no idea the trial you're getting ready to face. You have no idea the tribulation that you're getting ready to walk through, and you have no idea how difficult it's going to be to remember. But this is what I'm saying to you, Peter. Even though I know you're going to forget before tomorrow morning, I'm even telling you you're going to forget tomorrow morning, before tomorrow morning, so that when you forget before tomorrow morning, you'll remember that I told you (laughs) that you were going to forget before tomorrow morning. And you'll remember. Because sometimes you don't get to remember until after you realize you've forgotten. What is that passage in 2 Peter chapter 1 that says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who calls us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he's given us his very great and precious promises so that by them we might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. And then he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge perseverance and to perseverance brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you will be neither barren nor unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord. But he who, has, he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he's been cleansed. Sometimes you say, I wish I had more spiritual discipline. No, you just need to remember. So, man, I just need to get up and spend more time in prayer with God. No, you just need to remember what he brought you out of. So, man, I need to to start going to church more frequently. You need to remember the reason you fall off, the reason you lose discipline is because you forget. I remember a good friend of mine. Well, he wasn't very close. I mean, I knew him. He was older than me when I was in high school. He was a few years older than me. I looked up to him. And I remember the day he got saved because he was living foul. I mean, he was not walking with Jesus. But the day that he met Jesus, it was one of the most powerful things that I had ever witnessed before in my life. I saw the Holy Spirit resting on him while our pastor was preaching, and he was under conviction. You ever seen somebody under conviction? Just sitting there tossing and... It's like fighting. There's a war going on on the inside of him. The devil's telling him, don't you believe this message? But the Holy Spirit is on the inside going, no, you believe this message. And there's this war, this collision of kingdoms going on on the inside. And finally, he submitted to God and he got up and he ran to the altar. And when he got to the altar, God hit him. Bam! And he just went back onto the floor screaming, Jesus! And he's on the floor writhing. He's not in pain. He's getting delivered and set free. And the Holy Spirit is just all over him. And, and he got delivered all of all of his stuff. And Jesus came in and the Holy Spirit filled him at the same moment. And when he got up off the floor, he was beaming with joy and full of peace and joy. He was so excited. And I followed him around. I was in about the in ninth, ninth grade at the time. And I followed him around like a puppy dog. I was so excited. I was like, dude, bro, dude, tell me what 
what happened? He was like, man, Jesus came in and he's so real to me and he saved me. Now this guy, he, he had just graduated high school. So he was about four or five years older than me. But this guy, he used to walk around. He was one of those like old, like OGs from East Oakland. He was an East Oakland, the kind that used to walk around with boom boxes, you know, blasting music, you know. <laughs> well, now that he got saved, he still walked around with this boom box, but he was blasting gospel music. Oh, yeah. Walking around East Oakland, you know, <laughs> you know, some James Cleveland, <laughs> you know what I mean? Blasting. And I would follow him and we would just walk around East Oakland like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I was so excited. And to be with that guy, you had to be willing to talk about Jesus 24-7, 365. He was one of those. I would go over to his apartment just to watch him because he would get on his knees and just start praying and he would just weep and cry. And he was just so on fire for the Lord. He loved the Lord so much and he would just just so passionately praying and seeking the face of God. And I used to tell him, bro, I want to be like you when I grow up, man. Like, that's what I want to be. I want to be that on fire for Jesus. He's like, oh man, I just, I'm just so thankful that he saved me. And I just, I'm just so thankful that he found me when I wasn't even looking for him. He was looking for me and he would testify in a second. And then one day, couldn't have been more than three or four months later, I saw the look on his face as he walked by outside my school. And when I first saw him, I wanted to run to him, but when I got to the gate and I looked out and saw him, I saw a different look on his face. He had forgotten. And all of a sudden, he started talking the way he used to talk. And he started walking the way he used to walk. And he started hanging with the people that he used to hang with. And he started doing the things that he used to do. And he's carrying his boombox again. But this time it's not gospel music anymore. He went back to what he was listening to. And I'm not saying that secular music is evil. But I'm saying there's some secular music that's evil. <laughs> if the words are evil, it's evil. Okay. By the way, I just need to say that. Because a lot of believers think you can just listen to stuff that's full of evil. And say, but it's just an art expression. No, it's... it's it's like movies that are about Satan and the devil. It's like, can you pray for me? I've got anxiety. It's like, well, what movie did you watch last night? Uh, Satan and the Devil, part one. <laughs> Maybe if you didn't watch Satan, <laughs> you stop watching movies about the devil, you might have some more peace. But the point I'm making is yeah. I walked up to him and I said, hey, bro, what's going on, man? What's going on? He goes, oh, hey, Benjamin, how you doing? Like nothing happened. I was like, yeah, bro, but what's, what's going on? What's happening in your life? He goes, oh, nothing, man. All is good. Everything's good, man. And I thought to myself, did he forget, completely forget the last four months? Yeah. Like as if the last four months didn't happen? Wow. I mean, he forgot. He got saved. And then he forgot. Wow. Have you ever lost your temper? You know what happened when you, you lost it? You forgot you were saved. You ever snapped at somebody? You forgot you were saved. You became an atheist for about 45 seconds. <laughs> and you know why you were able to come back? Because you remembered. Yeah. Wait, what am I doing? I'm saved. Yeah. I don't talk like that. I know Jesus. You remembered. fundamental skill of a disciple is memory. Do you remember when he saved you? Or have you forgotten? Do you remember when he set you free? Or have you forgotten? 
Do you remember when he spoke to you? Or have you forgotten? Do you remember when he set you apart? Do you remember when he cleansed you from your sin? Do you remember when he called you his own? Do you remember when he brought you into his house? When he made you a member of his family? Or have you forgotten? Because see, what happens when you forget is you begin to think that God needs to do it for you all over again. And one thing that God will never do is, again, what he has already called done. He doesn't need to save you again. You just need to remember that you got saved. Has he ever healed you? Do you realize that when God heals you, he doesn't heal you for a temporary period of time? But what the enemy is constantly trying to do is to convince you that you're not healed so that you forget. (laughs) Do you know that when you start to forget and that sickness comes back, all you have to do is remember and step back, say, hold on a second. Jesus healed me of this. I remember I, I remember the Lord healed me miraculously of migraine headaches in 1994. I used to get migraine headaches from the time I was a child up till 1994. I got migraine headaches, two or three of them a week. And when I would get one, it was so debilitating. I'd have to go into a dark room. I I would take, there was no painkiller that would take them away. My vision would blur. I'd be, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. And I got them every week until I was 18 years old. But when I was 18 years old, somebody laid hands on me and the Lord healed me of migraine headaches and they were gone. But six months later, I found myself trying to get a migraine headache. I was talking to somebody. My vision started to blur. And I was like, hold on a second. Is this? And then my head started hurting. I was like, excuse me for a second. And I went around the corner. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, heal me of this. You will not come back. And I just went ham. I was like, no. No. Jesus healed me of this. I'm not taking you back. And then it lifted. And I went back around the corner. I was like, sorry about that. So anyway, we're- You should have seen the look on his face. (laughs) Has the Lord ever delivered you from a sin and then six months later you felt tempted again? You need to wake up and remember. You need to do that. Wait, wait, what? I'm not battling this temptation. The Lord delivered me from that. I'm not battling. Excuse me for a second. (laughs) You need to learn how to do that. Excuse me for a second. Has he ever set you free from depression and you found yourself getting depressed? Because, see, here's what, here's what typically happens. When the enemy brings that back on you, you just welcome it with open arms. I guess the, the healing wasn't complete. I thought he healed me, but I guess he didn't because it came back. You better fight to maintain the victory that he gave you. You better remember that he brought you into the promised land. You better remember it. And when he, when he gives you t- territory, you better learn how to occupy the territory that he gives you. But you occupy the territory that he gives you through remembrance. Remember. Remember. It's a simple word. Somebody come to the keyboard because I'm already a few minutes late. It's a simple word. And the word is simply this. What God has done in your life is real. But the devil is working day and night to try to get you to forget. And here's what's encouraging to me. On Palm Sunday, they cried out, Hosanna. On Good Friday, they cried out, crucify him. And it seems like there was a complete loss. But on Pentecost, they cried out, What shall we do? And when they cried out, what should we do? 
it means that there was a group of people who were there for the first two events who said, you know what, we lost our minds for a second, but we're ready to come back. What should we do? I believe there's some folks in this room right now, you might say, I lost my mind for a second. I lost my mind for about the last three months. Maybe you're thinking, I lost my mind for the last three days. I lost my mind last night. It doesn't mean that the work of God in your life is wrong. The devil will constantly try to convince you it wasn't real. It was just emotion. It was just an emotional moment, but it wasn't real. And then the devil wants you to test the Lord. Well, let's see if that was a work of God in your life. If it was a work of God in your life, it'll stick. So already that he's planted that in your head, you're not believing anymore. You're not making the decision to stand your ground and to occupy the territory the Lord's giving you. Instead, you made a decision to test the Lord. You need to tell the devil that he's a liar. Instead of let's see, how about let's stand. Now let's remember. Let's not forget that what God has done in my life is real. And I will not forget. I'll tell you this last story. Okay, I got to tell you this last story. <laughs> Remember when I was in the sixth grade, we had a career counselor come to our classroom and he was talking to the kids in the class. What are you going to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And the kids were saying, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a police officer. I want to be this. I want to be that. And I raised my hand. This was a few months after I had had my encounter with the Lord where he called me to the ministry. And I said, I'm going to be a proclaimer of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And all of the kids fell out laughing. It was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. But that career counselor, he was a minister. And he smiled and he looked at me with such a look of delight in his eyes. He said, you know, you got a difficult road ahead of you, right? I said, yeah. He said, but the Lord will be with you every step of the way. Amen. And looking into his eyes and seeing the delight in his eyes, it was like looking into the eyes of my father in heaven. It didn't matter to me that the kids were laughing at me. I went out to the playground that day, and I wanted to play basketball, but everybody was like, I don't want Ben on my team because he might preach a sermon. <laughs> and then they started pretending to pray like, mm -hmm. <laughs> pass me the ball. <laughs> I'm going to the hole. <laughs> Now, fast forward about 12 to 15 years, something like that. I was in my old neighborhood where I grew up in East Oakland on 35th Avenue near, just below MacArthur. And I, I was, I, I got this, um, I got this hunger in my spirit, this deep spiritual hunger for KFC. And I remember that there was a KFC right there, just right above on 35th Avenue, right above the freeway, you know, right there. And so I go into KFC and I felt the Holy Ghost just all in the room. Just kidding. I didn't feel the Holy Spirit. That was a joke. But I ran into one of my friends from junior high whom I had not seen since junior high. She was like, Ben. I was like, Tamara, what's up? Oh, how you doing? And we're talking, we're laughing, catching up. We got our chicken, we're sitting down, we're catching up, we're eating our chicken. By that time, I was in Bible college. And we had a great time connecting with one another, and then we left. And when we left, she went up 35th, I went down 35th, and we're walking away. 
But all of a sudden, I hear, I hear her screaming my name, Ben, Ben. I turn around. She's running towards me. So I ran towards her. I was like, what's up, Tamara? She goes, do you still want to be a proclaimer of the gospel to the ends of the earth? Wow. I said, yeah. That's what I've devoted my life to. I'm a Bible college student right now. And she goes, really? I said, yeah. She goes, wow. And she turns and walks away. <laughs> but wait a minute, here's what's crazy. Do you know what the most powerful testimony that I got to be to her that day was? That what God spoke to me way back in the sixth grade and what I declared that God spoke to me way back in the sixth grade, I was still living on it. This is what the world is looking to see. If it's real, you'll still be living it. 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, you'll still be living it. You won't walk away from it. You won't forget it. Because it's real. Buy the truth and sell it not. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray for those of us who have lost our mind. Some of us have lost our mind. We have not lost our salvation. We just lost our mind. We haven't lost our belief in Jesus. We just lost our minds for a few minutes. We haven't walked away from you. We've just walked away from the knowledge of who you are for a few minutes. We've become temporary atheists, but today we remember. We remember what you said to us. We remember what we were. We remember what you did. We remember. We call to mind the memory of the saving power of our Lord. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would settle it in each and every one of our hearts that we're not going to forget again. We will not forget again. And Lord, if I do forget again, Holy Spirit, call me right back to the remembrance of you. I'm going to do everything in my power not to forget again. But Lord, if I fall short and if I forget, please remind me. I pray for the alarm clock of the Holy Spirit to wake me up if I fall asleep again. It's time to remember. So Father, I just speak your blessing over each and every one of these sons and daughters of yours. I thank you that today is a day to remember and not forget. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a shout of praise. Stand to your feet.